This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here is my very favourite co-host, Jon, living on the edge. I'm your favourite co-host because I'm your only co-host. Yeah. I mean, those I, two I like things that. both happen to be true. Hey, less competition is good. <laughs> I thought we said competition drives innovation. Uh, yes, but I don't want to innovate on myself. That kind of sounds dirty. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, if anybody's living on the edge, it's you today who's been swapping hardware around just to make this podcast possible at all. That That's my commitment to the cause. I'm willing to whip the side off of my case and swap RAM out and generally monkey around with things just just to record an episode of the glorious, glorious Roaring Elephant podcast. Yeah, I think time-wise, this is the most prep we ever did. Yes, probably. <laughs> Although not on the actual episode, just general preparation. Anyway, uh, as you, you may have gathered by the uh, title that I will take full credit for, uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about edge computing. Uh, we were, or I was inspired by uh, an article I saw, which I'm sure Jan will flash up uh, on the screen at some point. There we go. For those of you following along on YouTube, you're going to see a black screen, which hopefully at some point, not too distant future. Hey, there it is. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 a really kind of quite a nice uh, article from the theenterprisesproject.com. And it's just uh, a quick intro, I guess, really to edge computing, uh, what it means, what it's about, what the different terms are. And I, I was inspired by this to, to actually talk a little bit about edge computing here. So we're going to run through a little bit of the you know, definition of edge computing and uh, going to go on from there. Anything to add from you, Jan? Uh, no, not at this point. I mean, this is your topic, so I'm assuming you prepared it. Uh, but I think it's an interesting topic as well. It's been going on for a while, and I think up until a couple of years ago, the big cloud providers made a big ruha about the whole thing when they were building their edge computing stuff. But it has died down a little bit. So is this a hype that has just passed us by and is now gone forever? Listen to this podcast episode and find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh such such tease such tease all right let's 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 start off um seeing if we can work out how we can define edge computing um so rather than bothering with any formal definitions because really let's face it what's the fun in that mm -hmm. how i think about edge computing is where the computing power is closer to either where data is being generated or data is being received, I guess, than the traditional processing systems. What about you? Um, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And just in order not to repeat what you said, I'm going to skew the definition a little bit towards edge computing is a thing you do when your data transfer costs gets too big. And whether that includes a lot of compute or intelligence at that edge or just you filtering stuff, that's also a little bit in the realm of edge computing already. Yep. Okay. So that was easy. Yeah. Next episode. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Hope you enjoy the Roaring Elephant podcast. <laughs> like, subscribe, comment. <laughs> no. Okay. So 
just a, a quick, um, not really history lesson, but like a quick journey of evolution. Um, you know, way back when we taught rocks to think that made silicon, became computers, uh, started off with mainframes. Very centralized computing. You had a bunch of dumb terminals connected to one big box and time shared on it. Um, then, you know, at some point later, you started to get, you know, the microcomputer re revolution where you had, um, you know, people with their own computers that became more and more powerful. And then you got kind of distributed computing, which was kind of a mixture of the two where you had some uh, some powerful centralized systems in some cases connected to via a network to some also relatively powerful uh, devices and you would have some processing done on the, the clients some processing done on the servers um, and you know now we've got cloud computing which is kind of distributed computing squared maybe um, you know further further distributing stuff so that it's not just your data center and your machine but your data center your machine and potentially someone else's data center as well because we all know cloud is just someone else's computers uh yes sort of a joke sort of true um so to me like edge edge computing is really just so if if cloud is distributed computing squared edge computing is Distributed computing cubed, maybe? Mm, no, because that would indicate it's a power higher than just cloud computing, and it's just a different way of doing it. I mean... Uh, is, it, is it not an expansion thereof? Like, mm, if you think of centralized computing being a core, then distributed computing being... You know, an additional layer. And then you've got cloud computing yeah. being another layer, and, and then edge computing being another layer yeah, on top but of that's that. That's not like exponential. It, that's yeah. uh, linear. I mean, that's just exponential. Would be that uh, the first part is a line, second part is a square, third part is a cube. And I don't see edge computing as being an extra dimension on the whole compute system. It's not that but it hard. Could, it, well, it could be though, because if you think about um, the proliferation of, div I mean, okay, I'm definitely stretching the metaphor here, <laughs> but if you think about the proliferation of individual devices that you could have in an edge computing scenario, you could have, you know, order of magnitude more devices at the edge than you have at the, yeah, at the core. Here, actually, you're hitting on the next point in our prepared uh, list of bullet points there. Wow. The IoT and be, edge devices. must be smart. Because there's a proliferation going on, but not of all devices are actually edge devices. A lot of those are yep. more in the realm of IoT, and there's a difference between the two as well. Um, Pray tell, Jan, what is the difference between an edge device and an IoT device? Well, for me, because again, it's all personal and everybody's making up their own definitions at this point, um, IoT is less of the intelligence thing. IoT just is a sensor somewhere that picks up data and passes it through without even realizing it's doing it. It's, more, it's not a passive thing because it has electricity. It's doing stuff. It's a camera. It's recording images. But it doesn't intelligently or creatively do anything with that data before passing it on. The moment that the IoT device becomes more intelligent, for example, a camera that, that does air motion detection. At mm -hmm. this point, there's some intelligence on that, that device, 
the device gets probably bigger, definitely more expensive, consumes more energy, but it reduces that uh, traffic towards your central location. And that's where you start entering the edge computing part. Now, just motion detection, is that already edge computing? That's where it kind of gets fuzzy for me. I mean, at what point is it, is it enough intelligence, enough creativity to move from that IoT to the edge device uh, component definition? Kind of depends. Quite often in my experience, real edge devices run some kind of operating system that you can interact with. Uh, be it Linux, uh, the, the BusyBox uh, kernel, things like that. A camera doing motion detection doesn't have that kind of sophistication. So for me, it would fall below the uh, edge computing part because there's no real computing happening. It's more an intelligent sensor still. But again, that's where it comes first, I think. Yeah, I I think I mostly agree. I, I do think that it needn't be an OS that you can interact with, but there is there's definitely there needs to be a degree of computing going on. I mean, the the examples you use around it, you know, motion detection is definitely, you know, makes sense. Some sort of maybe filtering of data that you can programmatically update. Think... Yeah, would be, would and, and update on the fly potentially would be something mm -hmm. that I think would, that would make it for me um, a an edge computing device versus just a, a simple IoT. Question. Because you've got that interactivity with it, even yeah. though you can't directly interact with it, you can. It can be told programmatically to change how it behaves. So a switch in my other location, my edge switch in the other location, is that an IoT device? Is that an edge device? Which is just a switch and neither and none of the above. Because it, it runs a kind of OS. If you have a Cisco, Palo Alto kind of term, uh, kind of thing, they're running some kind of mini Linux in there. It's configurable. It's intelligent because things like uh, BGP protocols are definitely not easy to do. And yep, those things have been around for involved. decades. Were those early edge devices? We never seen them as an edge device or even an IoT device at that matter. Or is it because they're well, on the network layer, not on the compute layer? But this is one of those things, isn't it, where the the definition really depends on where you stand and where you're where you're looking. Yeah. If you're if you're a um, I'm trying to think of a good example, like if you're a power distribution company, for example, mm -hmm. and you've got your data centers somewhere or your primary cloud infrastructure somewhere, and you've got a bunch of um, devices connected to various parts of the power network that are sending you back information over, I don't know, 5G or something like that. Maybe, you know, you've got substations where there's more hardware, where you've got maybe a, a switch and a handful of devices that are plugged into that. Maybe you've got an, a, an, a single access point that's sending that back. Is that cluster of devices Edge computing? Honestly, I don't know. It, as you yeah. said, it depends on how you're looking at it, where you're standing. Because yeah. I was also just when you're talking about that, is it edge computing because of the cluster of things or is every single device an edge compute thingy? Again, so <sighs> is can IoT be seen as almost a subset of edge computing? Is if you have a, a, a number of IoT sensors, would you say that that's a number of IoT sensors in a single mm -hmm. place clustering together and sending information back via something? Is that edge computing? 
Um, no, I'd say they're precursors to edge computing. They can feed into the edge device that then makes the whole cluster thing edge computing, perhaps. But again, as you said earlier, you need to have some kind of compute there, some kind of configuration, some kind of something. I mean, a temperature sensor, even if you have a thousand temperature sensors, that does not make edge computing. If you have a okay. server that at a remote location picks up those sensors, does some machine learning to detect if there's going to be early failure of a component and then sends an alert. Okay, now you're definitely in the edge computing environment. But you see, All I right, jumped so immediately to the machine learning thing, which is a big jump. So your so in your example, your definition then, something like a a modern vehicle, which has many, many sensors, definitely. usually feeding some form of embedded compute device that's doing relatively simple predictive analytics on the sensor information and is sending back a subset of data and yeah. alerting and things like that that for you is a, an edge computing use case yeah yeah and more and more even i mean if you look at uh, with the electric cars coming up that's got a lot ha uh, a lot bigger of course because these cars need to do a lot more compute to do the battery management but if you look at mm -hmm. the, the the newer things like the tesla's auto drives whether it works or not we're not going to discuss that part of it but that of course has to do a lot of not just predictive but also classification regret a lot of analytics on the system on the device itself that is only uh, that's actually where it breaks down a little bit again because all of those analytics only are relevant to the car itself they don't need to leave anywhere no they do they do take the data out so they can learn the machine learning algorithms better on more car samples and things like that but actually the analytics happening in that car device are predominantly meant to manage control that car device itself the connection to the central location is actually coincidental it's not necessary. Mm. Now, there's typically a connection to the external because you have, want to send new models, new data, new information to the system, update, whatever. So you do need it kind of, I guess. But is it still edge computing when the system is so isolated that it doesn't really need that connection to do what it's supposed to be doing? Mm. So I think some of this comes down to, at least for me, do you need... Like what's happening with that data that's being sent back? It, are you doing further processing so that you can like train the models better and then send updated models back so that it can be more efficient? For me, that's somewhere between distributed computing and edge computing. Like yeah. I, I think there's there's a bit of both. Although if you take the idea that it's moving processing closer to where the data is generated if you believe that as a uh, as a definition then then like the car i think is is an example of that because otherwise if you think if you think the 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 non-edge compute variant of that is your you know you're speeding down the road and your car sends oh there's a car coming up over 5g you've got what 20 milliseconds latency, mm -hmm. 30, 100 of, you know, that data flying through the air, hitting some service somewhere, being processed, being sent back, by which time you've plowed through that vehicle, that vehicle with your self-driving system. And, and like that clearly wouldn't work. There's just too much latency involved. So for me, I, I think that is an edge computing case because you're moving that processing close to where the data is. Now, I think I get your point, which you, which is surely it surely it doesn't really matter. Surely all you're doing is 
it's just computing and yeah. it it happens to be in a car but i i think the so a car is not a data center mostly i mean these days it, 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 <laughs> well close. That, but that's the point like I, that some of them they are getting closer and i think the for me some of the revolution that's been happening is the fact that um, devices are getting more and more um, powerful in terms of compute power for lower and lower power input you know arm devices are becoming significantly more uh, compute capable you know if you look at the some even something like you know raspberry pis have come through a number of different iterations like the very early devices were cool but you know you'd struggle to do anything particularly with them beyond kind of tinkering you know the new generation of those devices are honestly very impressive like there's a lot there's a lot of computing power there for something that's so low power consumption so i i think that the truth is probably somewhere in between and i i do think it's very much about how how you where you're standing when you're looking at something if you're stood at the car looking at the car you can just go well this is just computing this is just obviously this is all just happening here in an enclosed system but i do think if you know if you're the architect looking at this as being well i've got my back-end infrastructure that's processing all of this data on on the back end in slow time and doing things like uh, correlating that with um you know maintenance reports and all kinds of other stuff that's happening as as part of the car's life cycle then that and you know updating models that exist on the cars and you know all these kind of other things if you're you know looking at the bigger picture then the car is probably to you edge computing and the overall system is is something far more distributed no, I, I disagree with that. For me, the moment that all compute happens on the device itself and you don't do partial compute on the, on the device to send some refined version of that data to the central location where more happens and gets pushed back, it stops but being... It, that is happening, though. That is happening. It's just happening in a way that you're... It is, because the data is being sent back. It's being analyzed models are being created or updated and are being sent back that literally is that's what you were talking about you could do the same thing by having a floppy drive in the car and whenever you go to this uh, to the shop to have a maintenance they can pull out the date and send it from there you do not need the network bandwidth the network connection between the car and the central location at any given time because as you said if you did you'd be plowing through that other car already so it needs to be on the system itself now there is an exception i don't disagree i don't disagree like Edge computing could be floppy, could be sneakerware. No. Nope. Nope. Of course it could. Um, not for me. For me, edge computing needs to be a synchronous, uh, real-time feed of reduced data because you have done some computing on the edge already. So you don't need to rely entirely on the external part. But, uh, I mean, for the car, the one thing that does make it still an edge device is uh, the EU, EU now has the uh, legislation that you need to have one star kind of stuff in your cars. You need to have the, when you crash somewhere, it needs to call the police or do emergency services. That needs to be included immediately. And that is always ha going to have to be edge computing because it's on the car that you decide that the call needs to be done, but you don't do the call from the car. You will ping to a data center that will do the, the rest of the thing. 
and that's how it works synchronously. You do some decision making in the car itself, and then you feed it off to continue the process. While you could just cut tile from the car itself, I guess. I don't think that's how it's being set up, I would hope. But for the auto driving and things like that, I don't really see them as edge devices. Because if you say that's an edge device, then my PC, if I pull the network cable, it does the local compute. It does all the computing it needs to do locally. I can take data from my PC and send it in an envelope to you in uh, the, the sticks where you live and give you that data. Is my PC an edge computing device at that point? No, it's not, because there is no synchronicity between the central and the local. Uh, yeah, I fundamentally disagree with that. I think the... Shocker. <laughs> yeah, true. So for me, the... If you think about um, again, like we're, we're, we're kind of rabbit holing a little bit in in the the transport space, but things like um, trains with sensors on them to deal with um, uh, things like uh, brake condition or engine condition or anything like that, they go in in tunnels. Mm -hmm. They can no longer send data. They are disconnected for a period of time. Uh, they return they and then they actually. are back sending data they're like, connected to a cable that is no different than unplugging something and plugging it back in again or indeed some of them do not send data continuously they only send data when they reach stations and they have actually um wi-fi hotspots at each station that the train connects to and dumps its data yep. so i yeah i i disagree with your 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 limit for me there needs to be a dependency the there needs to be dependency <laughs> on the outside world still for something if that's not required, then for me, it's just another computer. But. So one of the things that you wanted to bring up, I think, was this this issue around like a lot of people do edge computing because data transfer is expensive mm -hmm. and you want to reduce the amount of um, data that you're transferring. So you, I think you see this in a couple of different ways. You see this in uh, data transfer is quote-unquote expensive due to you know data maybe if it's being sent over 5g then you're consuming um you know data via that network provider each byte you send you know is some form of cost but i also think you've got a concept of data being data transfer being expensive in terms of the just available bandwidth yep. to you you see this in ships submarines you know anything that's sending data in yeah and like anything that's sending data in from a remote location um there the you know anything in the any sort of military devices or things like that are always dealing with incredibly poor bandwidth limitations mm -hmm. for uh, situational awareness and what they can send back and how they decide to prioritize it so yeah it's not to me it's not just cost in terms of straight you know dollars cents and euros it's cost in terms of how much bandwidth do i actually have to pay to play with you know that that in itself could be a limit yeah but bandwidth is also a factor of cost because if i put up 10 times more satellites i'll have more bandwidth but that's an enormous cost that i can't carry so in the end it's still a cost issue but yeah you're right and it, I, I think it's time to put our nifi fanboy hat up again because basically that's where nifi was invented for for the military yep. when they sent up stuff to the to the satellite that passed over once every day for 10 seconds they had to prioritize data and that was for me the beginning of the, the real um 
uh, edge device because they had to analyze things, prioritize things on the edge before they set it up exactly for that uh, transfer cost. Now, I do think that the world is changing a bit, though. Transfer mm -hmm. costs have been going down. Uh, bandwidth is going bigger. We're going from 3G, 4G, 5G, and in the future, 5G may actually be 5G. It actually is faster because today it's just 4G with a different name. A little bit rant there. Uh, but things are getting, the, the bandwidths are getting bigger. Uh, the, the, the cost is going down. And what I've been noticing recently, and not just me, I hope, is that we're actually starting to blow up the amount of data generated by the edge device. So more data is on the line. Instead of the edge device filtering, aggregating, and sending up a, a more refined product, it takes a data point, enriches a data point, and sends more data than the sensor originally uh, gathered in the first place. So we are kind of going at, at odds here. On the one hand, trying to use the available bandwidth optimally, but pushing as much through it as we can. And edge devices go both ways these days. So what, what's, what do you think is a good example of that kind of blowing up data? enrichment of data uh, well i would have to go to my employer at that point which we rather don't do just to keep the podcast uh, independent let's say but in my professional life we see that uh, especially in the microservices architectures environment being able to enrich your data packages your log lines whatever with situational awareness let's call it that where is the docker container running well it's on this server now and now it's on that server that stuff is in the log lines by default you need to add that to the log line so that kind of makes it bigger and things like geolocation um, maybe temperature sensors they add more and more context because the search requests that are being sent to the data are getting more and more complex themselves. We want more context when the answer comes back one or two. Okay, why was it one or two? What was the, what was the conditions under which this became one or two? And being able to have an audit log that enables you to actually define that explainability is independent of machine learning. I mean, machine learning and AI have gotten this whole it needs to be explainable thing. But that's valid for all your logging derived definitions or decision making. And that requires context. In the olden days, so... when this was all in the military environments, that question was maybe less or frequently asked because, well, if the military said it had to explode, then I guess it had to explode. But since Edge has now crept into the commercial industrial life as well, and yeah, civilian life now depends on that self-driving car, well, that self-driving car isn't just going to send telemetry from the day from the car itself and the sensors, but also be concatenated with pretty soon communication with other uh, cars out there to see mm -hmm. if that car yeah. agrees with your definition of it's too close or too far and 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 that's how it, uh, I think the electric car is going to be or is already I think a big driver of the edge computing innovation towards blowing up data packets more than the original. Um, generated sensor reading. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to poo-poo a little bit on yes, your your ahead. example of where containers are running because me that's a data center thing. I don't care about that on the edge. Uh, but edge devices all in containers these days. Yeah, but there it's not going to be it's not going to be that I don't I don't believe that that's going to be uh, a huge uh, a huge change. What I do agree with is Despite the fact I'm a huge cynic, and I can't believe I'm going to say these words, smart cities and <laughs> the and smart cars and that whole kind of quote unquote smart ecosystem, I think is a perfect example of how exactly as you were saying, how all of these things interplaying together are going to be talking far more to each other, and you're going to have this. 
uh, collection of edge devices everywhere that are going to be potentially uh, generating massive amounts of data and in interchanging massive amounts of data as well mm -hmm. to the point where I, I don't really, I've been a part of a number of smart cities projects over the years. And I have to say that I think a lot of them are still very much in their infancy in terms of the designs that they have. But I do think the I do think the ideas and the concepts are pretty interesting. I do think that they have a lot of uh, potential. But I don't I don't and I think edge computing is a huge part of of that and how that happens. Mm -hmm. But I think it's still I think it's still quite a way away. Actually, the whole smart city, smart life, let's call it that, has shown the limitations of edge computing because a lot of these mm -hmm. things. There's so many sensors, the sensor location gets overwhelmed, and that's where we're seeing the move towards mesh computing, where it's no longer a hub-and-spoke model, but more the oh God, yeah. individual devices communicating with each other, and again, more refined data will end up centrally somewhere at some point for auditing, yeah. whatever compliance, but it's more the devices that, are intelligent, that have become intelligent enough that they don't need that central location anymore. And at that point, they're still communicating with a lot of other things, but it's no longer, in my opinion, but coming back to my earlier definition, it's no longer edge computing because they don't have that dependency to central location anymore. But they do have a lot of uh, other devices talking to them, so that's where the mesh computing comes in for me. Yeah, I I know you keep coming back to it, and I keep poking holes in it, or no, you don't. poking just poking at it generally. But you you meant you keep mentioning the word dependency. <laughs> I. For me, edge computing is not really about that dependency. Like an edge device should be able to provide some value on its own. If we, you know, we were early to, earlier talking about um, things like uh, motion detection, for example, on a camera, um, you know, that in itself is still valuable. The fact that it has triggered an alert and said that there is, you know, motion has been detected on your camera. Um, you know, usually there's an option on, you know, many devices where you can go and, you know, look live on that camera, mm -hmm. or you can wait for that, you know, clip of video to be uploaded, processed, and then you can view it through, a, you know, some sort of different method, some sort of portal or whatever. But the the device itself is still useful is mm -hmm. even without that that sort of other connection it's still telling you oh there's been motion it sent you alert you can go and watch something live without uh, worrying about the pre-curated stream yes and no i mean it becomes an edge device when you can't look at the live feed anymore when the device itself decides this video is not important you shouldn't even look at this now, all of these cameras, nobody's looking at them, or they shouldn't be. It's all about recording the interesting pieces of data, so afterwards you can do forensics and stuff like that. So the, the camera decides when it actually sends video streams to the central location to be recorded based on motion detection, time of day, whatever, light conditions, things like that. So it actually decides, you centrally, what you are able to see or not. So it makes decisions at that point. If it's not an edge computing device, then motion detection can be used to maybe steer it somewhere, point it, pointing somewhere, but it will always send continuous data streams towards a central location. 
where it gets recorded. So that recording still happens in both ways. It's just that in the IoT part, it's the central location that decides everything comes in and we cut off what we don't need. So we spend a lot of time and data sending useless data versus the edge device that does not send the useless data by making decisions locally when it becomes important. And whatever is sent centrally gets stored and video, uh, video stored because it has value as decided by the edge device. But you see that recording still happens centrally. The moment that you have a SD card or a USB drive connected to the, the video camera itself, and the camera is intelligent enough to only record stuff that is important because motion stuff like that, it records that USB thumb drive, and somebody needs to walk over to the thumb drive to pull it out to get it to the central location. For me, that no longer is an edge device. It's a self-sustained computing environment that has an end product being the USB drive that then be used for something else. Right, thoroughly disagree, but there we go. <laughs> Let's move on. Cool. All right. Talk, talk to me about digital twins then. Um, well, digital twins actually is a nice segue from something you said earlier there, because you said that uh, containerization on edge devices isn't always the case. Now, at my previous employer, Microsoft, where I used to work uh, before I had uh, I joined uh, my current employer, they were very big on edge devising and digital twins uh, up to a couple of years ago when I left them. I have no idea what they're doing with it today. Well, I do know a little bit, but I don't know the insides and outsides. But basically what they did for edge devices was making the management of those things easier uh, because that's a big problem because the more compute you have uh, distributed, the more management maintenance load you have because those things need to be updated, need to be configured. And if something needs to be reconfigured, that needs to be spread out, hopefully automatically things, CSD pipelines for edge computing kind of thing. So what I ended up with is a kind of digital twin concept where you have a, in the central location, copy of a typical edge, not going to say device, but deployment, because that could be multiple things. And those are typically configuration files that then were sent to a uh, server on that remote location that ran multiple containers, each container being responsible for part of the thing. So you had kind of the microservice architecture pushed to the outside with a small in-between connection to send configuration back and forth, because you have your data in your control plane, of course. And that way they were able to make all the configurations centrally in the data in the data center. And when they were confident that they were tested and uh, the whole dev test acceptance was happening, was done, it could be, could be pushed out and was just a copy, a one-to-one -one copy. And how can you easily distribute compute and configuration without having to depend, to, without having to worry about library dependency, stuff like that, using Docker containers or any version of containerization. So the containerization part for me is not only very inherent to the edge computing thing, but has been very necessary for the edge computing to become as popular or at least useful as it is today. Yeah, I think that it's a, it is a big part of the management of the devices how you know the there's a number of startups that do um management of edge computing devices or iot devices and containerization is often used so that you always have a known good configuration um and you can switch between those mm -hmm. relatively easily and be happy that your new configuration is doing what you want to do without you having to uh deal with any kind of underlying how, how on earth do you re revert something that's been updated, for example. So yeah, that makes sense. But I, I think we talked earlier about the edge and, and cloud kind of relationship 
uh, I mean, we, I kind of think of it as, you know, your core data center can be in one place. You know, you can, you can wrap that with some distributed computing. You can wrap distributed computing with cloud computing and you can wrap cloud computing with edge computing. Like it, these are just kind of layers of an onion, um, in many ways, but is there anything, is there anything specific that you think edge and, and cloud together, you know, make, make something more, more than the sum of its parts? Um, I think cloud was, uh, again, a precursor, I like the word, mm -hmm. it's a new word I learned today, uh, but it's kind of coincidental. And what I mean by that is whether you're running it in, in Google, Azure, Amazon, or in your own private cloud or in your old style server-based, uh, data center or not, the concept of edge computing stays the same. However, up until the moment cloud became popular and people were thinking about decoupled systems, edge computing was a non-starter because you need to be able to have a decoupled environment or else edge computing simply does not work. And cloud has been instrumental, I think, in having that mindset change in people to go from those monoliths, the microservices, going from single data centers to distributed computing towards edge computing. So it definitely had a value add because it made the whole thing a thing in the first place. But you need to be in the cloud to use edge computing. Well, depends on how you define cloud. If you say cloud equals one of the three big clouds plus Tencent and Alibaba, then no, those are coincidental. If you mean with cloud distributed, geographically distributed computing, well, that mm. way you build your own little cloud of devices at that point, And that is very certainly cloud computing. Did that make any sense at all? <laughs> I think so. I think so. I, I, I no, I think this, this topic is fraught with kind of rabbit holes and pitfalls and and uh makes and areas you could spend a lot of time kind of debating because i i still think a lot of it depends on where you're standing when you're trying to define these things so what you're selling but, uh, yeah well yeah maybe in what you're selling as well but i think you had a a point and a thought around where this may evolve next around the edge and microservices and how these things may may come together yeah, and actually, while we're recording the episode, I'm changing my mind a little. Well, not changing my mind, because I'm still in the same mindset, but I use the word mesh computing now, which I didn't think about before we started recording. Mm. And I think actually that's where I'm going. I'm heading towards. Because before when we discussed, I was uh, positing the idea that the whole edge thing is actually a transitional period towards more geographically distributed microservices. At the moment, a Kubernetes uh, platform deployment still is isolated to a single data center because of latencies and dependencies and stuff like that. With edge devices becoming more and more intelligent, more and more big in the compute, memory, footprint, storage layers and stuff like that, they will become equal partners. The containerization is already there. It's a small step to go towards that kind of thing. But when I talked about the mesh, mesh computing earlier, if you think about mm. microservices, there is no hub and spoke model in microservices. It's a mesh. Yep. So it's going to be towards, well, I guess, yeah, microservices, but because of the meshiness mesh, <laughs> of, the, of the microservices, because again, as you talked about the smart cities earlier, edge computing creates bottlenecks because you have a centralized solution, a satellite to central thing, and that's always a bottleneck inducing thing. 
and mesh computing solves that and microservices is a mesh computing so i do think that edge as a concept will continue to exist but it will be more of that yeah cloud of devices in a mesh setup that just makes mm. these decisions independently which is going to cause huge headaches on maintainability manageability upgradability and explainability again because the more intelligent your components become the less centralized it all is the harder it becomes to audit all that but but microservices are easy everybody's doing it <laughs> well we've got the easy button since a few episodes ago so i guess that oh, solves all you your problems there we go it's all done <laughs> all sold for you yeah no i i agree i agree i think the 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 evolution is pretty it's going to be pretty interesting i don't i don't think it's going to be particularly easy to predict exactly how this is going to evolve i think there will be a number of false starts along the way i can definitely see like there are a number of startups and organizations that are exploring this space and i think there's going to be an quite a few sort of failures before we see any kind of real runaway successes um yeah and i think we had a couple of failures happening to be honest uh, and i don't mm -hmm. mean project failures with more technology attempts at making this work less or better uh, again i think the whole electric car thing the self-driving thing is going to be a huge driver towards that thing because they need to have connectivity with more than just the car itself and more than the cars around it it's going to there's no way they're going to have any insurance company insure you if you do so full self-drive without having all of that accountability and compliance in place. Mm. And I think those are going to be, they have been big drivers and they're going to continue to be big drivers more so than traditional IT because to be honest, traditional IT doesn't need this because the bandwidth problem has or is going away from the biggest part, the bigger parts of the world. So there's less drive there to do that, but the car will always be a small, a small thing. Let's call it that. Do you think that as uh, kind of slight, slight diversion, but vaguely related, do you think the, um, proliferation of affordable and significantly more usable satellite internet is going to play into this? You know, there's there's a number of like Starlink and a number of other kind of options starting to pop up and starting to be more commonplace. Well, it's all part of that more uh, making more bandwidth available at a reasonable price. Uh, as long as Starlink is the only one, it's not going to be important enough, I think, because it's a bottom, yeah. it's a it's a dependency. You need to have more than one, and if Starlink becomes a success and I honestly do think it will be successful, uh, especially for some reasons in the world. More vendors, more uh, yeah. service uh, delivers will jump on the bandwagon and do it. Look at the Tesla cars, same company as Starlink. They, they were the first, they made the whole thing a acceptable proposition, let's call it that, because before the Teslas came out, electric cars equaled yeah, horrible things. <laughs> and now all of the big car manufacturers jumping on the train, the Starlink thing, I think will get uh, followers more rapidly because I'm still amazed yeah. at how long it took the General Motors and BMWs and Mercedes of the world to jump on the electric car bandwagon. It's only recently that they're actually starting to do this and they're at, they gave Tesla a huge lead. I don't think Starlink will have that same benefit. 
if Starlink, of course, becomes a success, because at the moment it's still pretty much a tech preview kind of thing. It's not completely deployed yet, and we'll have to see if it actually becomes useful. And again, with 5G and in the more populated environments, we already have all the bandwidth we... I was going to say we want, no, we need perhaps, but it's going to grow with our needs. You, you, you can see this happening. I mean, I live in the Netherlands, and we're looking at in the next couple of years, everybody in the Netherlands, even the most remote parts, will have fiber to the to the house, which gives you gigabit connections even more if you want to. I don't see a problem here. If you're talking about, I don't know, Australia, you have a couple of pockets of high bandwidth and then a big, huge area of no bandwidth at all. Mm. But you need that bandwidth there. It's something happening there while people looking at wildlife. Okay, edge devices will still be very important there to preserve the, uh, the available bandwidth because there'd never be enough Starlink satellites to cover everything of the of the Earth because they will prioritize where they are the most uh, needed, required, or and or paid for. Yeah. Sorry, long with that. Makes sense. <laughs> no, no. I think it makes makes perfect sense. I think that I agree that um, you know more and more more and more satellite service providers will. Um, will you know, emerge there are a handful of them today you know, viasat starlink um freedom sat there's a number of number of them out there but it's still relatively niche but yeah i think the but the starlink the, concept is different from the others right the starlink with the low earth orbits and yeah. a huge amount of satellites out there it's a different way of looking at satellite communication the others will yeah, have to follow yeah. or fall by the wayside yeah yeah indeed i think it's gonna it's gonna be i think there's a lot of things happening at the moment that will um continue to evolve this kind of picture i think the the evolution of more and more bandwidth available to the edge will change the proposition of what edge computing is today versus 10 years from now i think there'll be it'll be something very very different don't forget augmented reality how could one forget Pokemon Go? <laughs> well, Pikmin Go is the next one, apparently, but... Uh, I'll take your word for it. <sighs> no, but augmented reality will always depend on a lot of edge compute capability because it's impossible to have a billion people with AV glasses on their heads sending all that data to central locations to do compute. That's never going to work. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, apart from the electric cars, the next one, if you look further down the future, because augmented reality is still... It, yeah, it exists, but not really. But that's going to be a well. Bit I think that uh, I'm sure I saw a news story in the last couple of days that the U.S. Army has just paid, agreed to pay Microsoft twenty-two billion dollars. Mm -hmm. um, I think for their augmented reality program. So for the it better stuff. exist. It better exist pretty soon because uh, they're going to they're going to expect something from their twenty two billion dollars. Um, yeah, but again, it's not there yet. They've got this now for the next four or five years. I don't remember to yeah. have this program developed, and they have to make new devices for that because the standard Hololens is way too fragile to be used in a combat zone. Um, yeah, indeed. But yeah, it's something that's definitely in the horizon. It's coming, but it's not here today yet. That's because for me, augmented reality means that I walk outside and I don't see the world. I see my version of the world. 
that house may be red or yellow, for me it's green. You may have short hair, for me I see you in curly hair, blonde, long hair. Uh, we Enough about your fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's a huge step. That's very far away still. But yeah. it will require things like mesh computing and things like that. All right. Well, unless there's anything else from you. Uh, no, I think it's my time to my turn to take it out. So this is all the time we have for today to talk about edge computing and long curly hair for Dave. You can support this podcast. You can become a patron. Every contribution helps. Hair care products cost a lot of money. If you're on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, comment and see Dave's curly long hair. If you got that, <laughs> I'm going to stop, sorry. Uh, you can go to www.roaringalpha.org, find the links of Patreon page, the YouTube page, and all the rest of the stuff. More f- uh, information about the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter using the at RoaringElephant tag, and you can send feedback by plain old email to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. Until next time, my name is, I still think edge computing needs dependencies. Jon? And my name is number one Aerosmith fan, Dave. I have no Even idea what on that means. the edge, come on. <sighs> oh, now we're going to be banned. Dear. We're going to be whatever. We look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.